All right, Inappropriate Earl is back. Uh, two episodes this week. Thank you for the reviews that I've been asking for for four years. <laughs> Takes 30 seconds to do this. And this next guest is the reason why I want you people to leave reviews. This man took the... T this is one of the top hockey reporters, not in Los Angeles, because that would be about two people. <laughs> not in America, but in the world. Uh, too kind. But it's true, though. Uh, you hear him already. He's frothing at the mouth to talk about Alex Iafalo's two-year deal. Uh, <laughs> Which Dennis, we broke. Yes. Six hours before anybody else. That's how Six special hours. this man is to me. 6.30 in the morning, I got up to break that story. Come on. Dennis Bernstein, welcome Earl, back. Inappropriate Earl podcast doesn't get any better than this. Well, I, I know I've arrived when Jim Fox has That's retweeted right. I told us. You. So Mr. I vouch Fo for you with Jimmy. Mr. Fox, if you're listening, which he might be. You know where he is right now? He's with Dave Taylor celebrating the Stanley Cup in Lebec or somewhere in Ontario. Right at the moment, he just tweeted something, a picture of Dave Taylor. I met Dave Taylor in Westwood, and I was so, this is when he was still playing. Playing, yeah. This is when people would go to Westwood to see movies. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I feel so old saying that, but there was no You're Beverly right. Center. There was no Third no. Street uh, nope. Promenade. Westside Pavilion had just kind of hit the scene. And I was so scared. I had my friends, hey, will you go ask Dave Taylor for his autograph? And they went up to him, and they said, hey, our friend's around the corner. He's too scared to talk to you. And he said, bring him over. And so I love Dave Taylor. He's a great guy. I was so, and I was on the ice when they won the cup. I didn't get to talk to him, but it was great to see him lift the cup, man. I mean, look, he still has a legacy here in L.A. Kopitar, right? Brown, Quick, those are his guys still. So. You might say he is partially responsible for the two cups. Totally. Uh, 100%. I mean, Dean made great trades back in the day to, to bring in Carter and Gabarik, and he, obviously Drew Doughty was a, a no-brainer at number two, but absolutely the core of the championship teams totally, you know, were Dave Taylor. But you never hear his name associated with the two cups. It's because Lombardi. He put them over. It's like a wrestler, right? You got Some guys got to come in and put over other guys. Dave put over Dean Lombardi. Dean was a really good GM, never, put, never got over, then made the right moves, got Drew, just found Daryl Sutter, made some great trades, wound up winning a championship. So it, sometimes that happens. Sometimes you're the gatekeeper that lets other guys go through the gate. Listen, this is probably the first time this guy's name has ever been mentioned on a podcast, but I, in complete seriousness, mm -hmm. was a Sam McMaster fan. Okay. Given the environment he had to work yes. under. Yeah, right. Uh, which was Crazy. the final days of Bruce McNall's right. financial... Uh, Demise. Uh, um, <laughs> demise. I, there's the, fraud. Uh, fraud. There's probably 10 adjectives. To, <laughs> so can you imagine being a GM? I know uh, my friend said, uh, who uh, was the only insider I've ever had with the Kings, said, hey, they want to sign Pat Burbeek. Mm -hmm. when he was a free agent. Right. And uh, they couldn't because they weren't getting their sticks and gloves delivered because they had no money. <laughs> So uh, that's how he was kind of right. operating. He had to operate with no, with no rep, with no budget. No, beyond no budget. Right. I, I don't think I've ever heard that before. No. Uh, Usually NHL teams get their gloves and sticks delivered. Well, the NHL's not. Well, maybe not. Ottawa. Maybe. Not, you know. Problems with Ottawa. All right. Well, let's get. Yeah. First of all, check out Dennis's articles on uh, fourthperiod.com. Correct. Yeah, the fourthperiod.com. Um, always on Sirius XM. As a matter of fact, I'm going up to Toronto next week. We have a uh, 
celebrity golf tournament with about 15, 20 NHL players. We're actually going to host from 11 to 1, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern on SiriusXM with my buddy Nick Alberger from the from the side of the uh, golf tournament in Toronto. So um, so you can check us out, SiriusXM. But yeah, for right now, since we're in the off season, might write one more article. Not really sure, but all of the archive stuff for this season's on the fourthperiod.com. Well, because this is a uh, maybe the dead zone kind of for hockey right yeah. now. I mean, you've got the arbitration cases coming, or they're already here. Yeah. Uh, but there's not a ton to talk about, so we're going to hit rewind for a hot minute. Yeah. Go to the draft. Sure. Uh, the Kings. Now, I'm a King fan. Yep, you I, sure are. I root for them to win every game. I want them to win the Stanley Cup every year. But I think I'm a King fan. Uh, who's realistic in their views. Mm -hmm. uh, they got effed on the draft lottery. Yes, they did. But if you I saw Luke Robitaille's face on the draft lottery, they got effed. Because they wanted they wanted the they wanted Jack Hughes. I mean they they when they were having the internal discussions last season about like we really need a guy like Jack to because look, Earl, they have really solid B and C prospects, but they don't have that elite crown jewel of the crown they don't have that caco they don't have that jack Hughes. and alex turcott may be an, an excellent player when we come to the end of the road on him he's a really 200 foot player he played in the u.s developmental team that was an amazing team so he's not he's not a, but they needed that one it factor and that's what they don't have with this team and that's why that even though it's a really good draft and earl i'll tell you and i wrote it when we look back on this in a couple of years and in fact maybe the best draft they ever had because of the quality at the top. And I love they took a risk with that Kaliev kid at 33. They never take risks. Finally, they took a risk with a kid who maybe has some dubious character issues, but can fill the puck, uh, fill the net with pucks. So I really think when we look back on it, it could be their best draft ever. But if you're a Kings fan, I know you're one, you're going to have to have patience. Well, here's my biggest. First of all, I wanted the kid, uh, is Kaliev? Yeah, Kaliev, yeah. I wanted him at 22. Okay, then great. I agree. And he was a first round. He's a first round talent. That scares me, though, that, uh, I mean, other than Cole Caulfield, yeah. uh, who, you know, listen, I'm, you're going to kill me for this. No, I'm not going to kill you. No, you will. Because looking back, I'm glad you it didn't You would have picked happen. him at five? I absolutely would have. But I, I'm very happy with Turcotte. Uh, I well, thought the Cole went at 15. He didn't go six, seven, eight. He went 15 because, and I get it. And the 72 goals are amazing. But they're detractors. And I was at the draft, and I'm five, six and a half, five, seven on a, on a good day. He walked by me. He's shorter than me. right? So I know he's strong, and I know he's sturdy, and all those stuff. He's got abundant skill, but there's a reason why you get the 15. Because for every guy like Craig Button, who said he's the fifth best player in the league, there was somebody saying he was 15 or 14 or 16. So I, I, I couldn't have picked. And plus, not only that, Earl, they don't even have a two seed right now. So to pick... Alex Turcotte over Cole is only is was really a necessity at this point. Oh, I'm uh I think they had the best draft of any team uh overall. Yeah. Uh, they better. They needed one Earl. <laughs> well, I mean, sure you wanted Hughes or Caco, and it's that that was the bummer about uh moving back to number five. That uh, was tough. It it was tough because even Turcotte is the real deal and he's a 70, 80 point player. Right? He's not going to help you for two seasons. He's going to Wisconsin next season, and maybe you're going to give him a half a season of seasoning the following season in Ontario. Like he might make the team a year from now. 
right? So the, the, the immediacy that they needed of a CACA or a use or playing the free agent market, the immediacy of having that elite talent just isn't there. And it makes it a tough sell when now you're talking about a rebuild. Like, what are you selling? What are you selling? Rasmus Kupari, who might or might not make the team? Right, Prohorkin. I mean, you, there's nobody to sell right here. So that's part of the problem with the, you know, and with the team. And as a fan, Earl, like this is, I get it. This is like this. This is the first year of a rebuild. They're two seasons into the regime, but this team has not won a, a playoff series since the Stanley Cup. Right, that's five years. And now if you're saying it's two more years till we're good, that's seven seasons of mediocrity or less than mediocrity. They've won one playoff game since they won the Stanley Cup. To me, if you're it's not acceptable if you're a fan because now the expectations are much higher. This isn't the 47-year walk through the wilderness. This is like we should be contending and half the teams make the playoffs, so why can't we? Well, now it's even tougher with uh, what the Clippers did. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, it's a hockey episode, but, I mean, Leonard and Paul George, and then uh, you almost forget what the Lakers, it's not and like they Davis were inactive. And Green and, uh, and the Dodgers are in first place and the Rams. And, and I wrote the article, and people want to think it was a bleak outlook, but it was just reality. And Jim Alexander, who writes for the Press Enterprise, put out a list yesterday, I think, and ranked all the, the teams, not even franchises, professional teams. He had, he had 15 teams, including uh, UCLA, USC. He had the Kings ranked 13th with respect to prominence and relevance. He had it behind the Ducks and the Sparks, right? And I'm not, you know, you, if you like the WNFA, that's great. 13th in this market behind the Ducks. That's just, it's just, it's, here's the, here's the issue. And here's the question. Here's what I wrote, right? You know Steve Ballmer wants this team to win. 100% wants the team to win. He's there at courtside every night, yelling and screaming, he had Blake Griffin. He had Paul. He had Chris Paul. He had DeAndre Jordan. That didn't work. All right, we're scrapping that plan. We're going on to the next plan. And now it's it's the claw. It's Paul George. So we're going to try this. And what? Guess what? In two years, if it doesn't work again, like he's going to do it again. So he's a very vocal, very visible owner. The Kings and AG are just the opposite. And I'm not criticizing them, right? But you never see Phil Anschutz, right? Uh, Dan Beckerman, who's their CEO, isn't really vocal. It, it's it's Luke Robitaille and Rob Blake, right? So here's my question now. The team isn't going to be good, and Rob Blake has said there's going to be difficult times ahead. So when there's 13,000 seats filled as opposed to 18,000, like, and it's two years removed and you're not selling seats, is Phil Anschutz going to say, hey, when it's time to add to this team, and let's say, let's be positive here. Let's say this, this young talent that's coming forward is going to develop into the excellent players or very good players, and you need to pull the trigger on a big-time free agent to put this team over. I'm not sure they're going to commit to it because the, the, the team would have been drawing. I mean, we're going back to 2007, 2008, I think, at this point in time. And again, why do you sell against other teams? And I, I wrote, like, how are they going to sell Carl Gunstrom scoring a goal in a 4-1 loss to you know, saying Jose in November on the on the local news, if they're looking for, they're gonna get they're gonna get crushed in the in the media here because they're not relevant anymore. And 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 to think it's it's probably the worst city in the world to do a rebuild because all we care about, Earl, and you've lived here for a long time. We care about winners. We don't want to hear about rebuild. Like the Dodgers might go to the World Series, they might eventually win a World Series. The Rams are in the Super Bowl. The Chargers might go to the Super Bowl. Like we don't do. We want stars. We want. The it ticket, and that's the thing, Earl. Back in the day, when this place was a sellout, when when celebrities were showing up, when when the gear and the merchandise was the it, the kings were the it thing. That's gone, 
and it takes a long time to get back and you need to sell something. It's just like, it's the most difficult sell in the world when you're not going to commit and play in the free agency and you don't want to bring in a big star and you don't want to trade for a big star to sell it against the other entertainment and sports opportunities that are in this city. Well, you have to win in this city or else there's just too much to do. Uh, right. Uh, entertainment wise uh, you know obviously the the rams are super bowl contenders uh, the chargers even though like it almost feels like the chargers are like a ghost team like but they're good like they're good yeah so they're, the kings are probably behind those two teams lakers and clippers definitely behind those two dodgers so there are even just right there they're six the six teams in uh interest level and then uh i don't know if the galaxy can well lafc those people go nuts there they have a brand new stadium those fans are nuts and amazing i'm not sure it's it, it draws away from the king's ability to draw and sell tickets but that's something that you have to question in this is is are you going to get commitment at the end of the rainbow from ownership to go out and spend the money because they're saying we don't want to spend the money our cap situation which look you traded quick and carter that's 11 million dollars right there so don't tell me you couldn't have chased Panarin. You could have. Right? Well, that's the thing. Like, yeah. uh, and this goes to myself being a reasonable fan. Yes. Uh, I have. I'm blown away that we could not unload. And I don't even like saying unloading because what they did yeah. for this franchise. But we've now had a trade deadline and a draft pass, and nobody wanted Carter quick. Well, we reported that there was a discussion with uh, Arizona for uh, one of the defense and probably uh, Golgowski. Uh, Golgowski, yeah. Um, and then Quick, look, here's the thing. I mean, at some point in time, Earl, you got to cut your losses and move the players. Like, And I know that people talk about Quick and being injured, maybe he bounces back. The two other goalies that shared the other 40 games that he didn't play last year, their safe percentages were in the 920s. And I think Johns was an 88%. And like, at some point in time, the emotional attachment to these players and they're, all, and they're part of the legacy and championship legacy, Gotta let it go. Like if I was, if I was Blake, I'd be calling up Columbus to say, "Look, I know you got these two young guys in net. Quick, we'll take back Alex Wenberg, who hasn't done anything, who isn't a, a Tortorella guy, who scored twenty points, and he has about the same salary, right? Take a risk on an, on another, change the 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 you know, change the, the the deck chairs at some point. Fine. With respect to Carter, look, you got to trade Carter where he's going to want to play, or else he's going to quit. I really, honestly believe that he denied it, but I know at least one instance where I've heard where they possibly had a deal and it got scuttled because he didn't want to play in the market and he would retire because even though his cap hit Earl is 5.2 million for the next three years, he's only earned, owned $7 million and only in quotes, but he could walk away. So you got to train him to a place he's got to want to play. But I agree with you. And I, I know you want value for these players. At some point in time, the clear that Dex Earl take the best offer. Like it, wave, wave Jeff Carter if you need to. Like, what will be the downside? He's going to go play in Ontario. He'll never play in Ontario. Like, somebody's going to take a risk on Jeff Carter because even though his cap hits five million, his cash is only seven million for three years. Somebody would take a risk. So, if you can't find a trade partner for it, you want to hold on to him. I get that. Now, the flip side of that, to be positive, is remember two years ago when everybody said that Joe Sackick shouldn't be a GM anymore. <laughs> it took one. So here's the thing with Rob Blake and, and Robitaille. It takes one really good deal. To flip the script so that's why when i when i wrote the article i was not critical of them i was saying this is like a what if like if the team isn't good if they don't draw what is the commitment to ownership there i'm still not going to even though it's two seasons in and they haven't been in the playoffs in five years i'm stopping short of criticizing the current regime but they they gotta make a turn this season 
right? I'd like to be be more don't dynamic. You you talk about my buddy John Hoven. He goes, "Oh, you're Mister Be More Aggressive guy." Yeah, I want to be more aggressive because last time I checked, the team that won the Stanley Cup, Earl, as we all know, they were in last place in the league on January first, and they finished four points behind the Kings last season. So what happened? Look, I know that the coach was a disaster and had a lot to do with it. But something has to change here. The dynamic has to change. And if you think you're going to draw fans with Kopitar and Drew Doughty, I get it. I understand it. But they've been here 10 years. There's nothing new to sell this, this team on. So that's part of the challenge. So there are parts here. It's just, I'll put it to you, Earl. And this is, this is and I actually, today, you know, I, I'm close with the players. I had somebody ask me, like, one of the players text me, and we're talking about offseason moves. Like, Earl, you tell me, today, Who's the Kings' third best defenseman? <laughs> and well, to, as a fan, but a, a relatively knowledgeable fan, uh, you know, I, I would say obviously Dowdy, uh, and then um, I, I would say Martinez. Right. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, uh, for as much, uh, and I know you have sponsors, so I'll clean yeah. up the language. No, it's okay. You can yeah, but I, it's respect for as much, uh, you know what, as this guy gets. I mean, right now, I would say forward. Okay. So on a championship team, what's Derek forward? A sixth defenseman? I mean, that's on, on... That's scary, though, Earl. Like, that, that's your team. And we talk about... And, and there's been articles written about there's too many forwards and stuff. Earl, the, the, the Stanley Cup champions won 30-goal score, right? What did they win on? They were more physical than everybody else. They had a goaltender who got hot, and they found him in the middle of the season. And they were really good defense. Like, who's going to play defense for this team next season? Like that's and look, there are guys coming. I know people like Sean Walker and Matt Roy, and those names aren't scaring anybody, right? They 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 what they need to do, Earl. Like for for a long time, they need to find a partner for Drew Doughty. And, and when we go back to the draft, talk about the draft. That's where I would have been tempted to move up to four and get the Byron kid, because he would have been next to Drew Doughty. Drew Doughty would have played the rest of it long term contract with Byron, and they would have been settled here. So while Turcotte might be really good, again, I would have been more aggressive. I would have went and got Byron, moved one up. If it cost me a second-round pick, I would have done it because that's another need that they have. So it's just the, the, the holes that are there, there's just too much doubt. So I ask you, who's the third-best defenseman? And then I'll ask you this behind that. Who's their second-line center next year? Uh, Well, I mean, uh, I, I guess right now, Kempe. That's... uh. He scored 12 goals. Adrian, not Mario. Man, it could, could be either one. Right? I, I mean, mean, it could be Michael Amati, all right? I'm not a fan of his. I'm not a hater, you know. Right. Uh, second line center, they got some problems. That, that's, I just gave you, I just asked you two questions. Who's the third best defenseman and who's their second line center? Now, those questions might be answered in two years from now, but next season we step into this, like that's the challenge, that's the issue. Now, again, to be positive on the other side of the coin, because we want to be fair and balanced, like Fox News is. Oh, well, watch out. <laughs> I know. By the way, I must say, everyone, and I don't know anyone on this show. I don't know. I, I don't I know get where in. you're going on this. Yes. Uh, the, the, loudest the loudest voice. voice the first two episodes. If unbelievable. You, well, the great thing about that show is if you love Fox News or you hate them, you will enjoy. Fantastic. You don't know how slanted it is. Right. Like, Maybe Russell Crowe, unbelievable. How they got Russell Crowe to look like Roger Hales. <laughs> Someone should win an award in makeup. But but so so if we're going to be balanced here, right? So um, the flip side of that is that, that they could develop into these players, right? These players could develop, right? It, it's just that that when you look at the needs, like a contending team coming into a season, 
knows who their third best defenseman is, knows who their second line center is, right? And and there's question marks here. Like if Michael Mario winds up out of chain camp being your first, second line center, like the team's not going to make the playoffs. And that's, that's the other challenge. Because the one thing is the one absolute positively great move they made is Todd McClellan. I know he hasn't won. I know he was on the other side of the verse sweep and, and, and you know, when the Kings won in 2014, but, right, he's going to command respect in the room from day one. What they didn't have, it wasn't present. I mean, you, I was in that press conference with Rob Blake. If I was Rob and I walked out of that press conference, I'd be so depressed. Like, guys didn't give a shit about practicing or the study, their habits. Guys like Dustin Brown talking about culture. I mean, there were never questions about culture here. Like, guys didn't care about practicing. That, that Willie Desjardins move was such a bad move, right? I mean, uh, let me ask you this, because yeah. I know, uh, and for those of you listening, I don't plan questions. We just hit record and go, so right. I apologize if you don't like the all-over-the-map uh, way I do things. Uh, that's how I do I it. I love it. Go ahead. It's, a, it's your podcast. Let's go. I go see a game uh, at Staples Center. It was against the Winnipeg Jets. I said, I, I've never uh, seen Kovalchuk. Uh, I, well, I, I haven't seen him play very much live, and uh and Desjardins played him six minutes that night. Uh, now, by all accounts, Kovalchuk uh, is a great team guy. Players <laughs> love him, Merle. He's because he works out still. He's on the bike after games. He doesn't need to do that stuff. Right. What was the disconnect between him and Desjardins? Because I still don't understand. No one it. knows. No one knows. I, I, no one to this day. And I've asked, but no one knows. He just it's just a person that he didn't like him for whatever reason. He'd rather play Brendan Leipzig on the second power play. Right, who's not on it? Who they didn't even qualify with to an offer? I, I don't know because he's not a bad guy. It, the problem with Kovalchuk is, and it's not a, it's not an attitude thing. It's not a personality thing. It's he's a very very unorthodox player. Like so, you don't know where he is on the ice all the time. So it was difficult for Carter and for Co- and for Kopitar to play with him because he'd be all over the ice because he freelances a lot. He's more of a rover. Like he's an absolute <laughs> rover. But you get some, you know, a better coach. I, I assume that he's not going to change his style. And I assume that Todd McClellan's going to be smart enough to figure out how to deploy this guy. Like, that that's part of the issue. Now, so I know that, look, this team is going to be better, if nothing but for the coach being there. Some guys like Tyler DeFoley, who's in a contract year, who's really playing for his money, got to step up. I, I got to think by, just by better structure, smarter coach, better coach, it's going to get their attention. They're going to practice better. There's going to be no nonsense in the locker room. This team's going to be better. Now, here's the challenge, Earl. Like the one thing you can't get on a treadmill in NHL is being mediocre. So the Kings were at 71 points last year. Let's say Todd adds them five, five wins. And Kopitar and Dowdy have better season, adds another four wins. Gets them to 89 points. The worst fucking thing in the world to be in the league is 89 points. I'm scared. Play. Because you know what? Then you're drafting 10th and 11th and 12th every year, right? If you, so there's a, there's a faction of fans that... And I agree with that to some extent. You should suck this year again and get another top five pick. But here's the problem, Earl. When you suck and you're the second worst team in the in the league and the ping pong balls don't drop your way, you draft fifth. And the fifth best player in next year's draft is not going to put them over. So what do you do? I mean, so that's part of the dilemma here. It's like, do you really just... Because you know, if it was me, I would trade Quick and Carter. They would have been traded already. I'd let Toffoli play 20 games. Maybe he starts good. Trade him off because... Earl, the guy's in the contract here. He's eligible for an extension. They're not talking to him for an extension. So what does that tell you? Well, maybe they're hoping, and that's the best. I think the best scenario here is if they're not going to trade those three players, 
that the first 20 games, they start off pretty good from an individual standpoint, and they can raise their trade value. Because that part of the problem, Rob's um, hands were tied to some extent because the team was so bad that the, the value of the three players, they, they cratered. You couldn't move them. I get it. I understand that. But at some point in time, you have to clear the path. You have to clear the money. And you have to do it. Now, I get it. Carter last year, four years of a 5.2 cap hit. And if you're a scout in the stands, are you going to recommend a trade for Jeff Carter? No, probably not. But now there's three now there's three seasons left. And if you're 20 games in, now there's two and a half seasons left. So you, you got to move these players out because we have all this surplus. I mean, what are you going to do with all these young kids? Now, there's one train of thought. I was talking with one of the players today about what they could do because you talk about Kupari, you talk about Prohorkin. You talk about Grunstrom. You talk about all these young players, Jared Anderson Dolan. Like, the one thing they can do is what the Ducks do. They house everybody in San Diego. They play them in the minor leagues. They play them out there for the uh, first 60 games. And then the last 20 games, they bring up. That's the one hope if you're a Kings fan is that all this youth here, because there's too many players up front. And it's not enough defensemen on the blue line. If you put all those young players in Ontario and they all gel under Stuthers, then possibly by game 60, you can bring up two or three of them, like the Ducks with, with, with Sam Steele and Max Jones and Comtois. You saw that last year. So hopefully, maybe that's the strategy to get to the point in time where um, you have a group of players, the next generation, because right now, there's just way too many forwards on this team. And you say you can't trade the, your veterans. I mean, what are you going to do? You can't waive them. So I, I think that what will happen is, I think the guys that who they should have traded already are going to be on the team to start next season. The, the younger players are going to be still in the minors. They're going to get seasoning. And then eventually, hopefully by game, by American Thanksgiving, the guys that you need to trade to get off this team will be gone. And you can start the, the, the real transition into the, the next generation of Kings. I mean, my biggest fear is if everyone has a bounce back season, you got to figure Kopitar will be a little better. Yes. You got to figure. He's working out in Slovenia. He's in way better shape. So I know that for a fact, right? You got to figure Carter will bounce back to some degree. I mean, it's. We can debate that one, but go ahead. I I mean, he can't be any worse. Or maybe he could. But I I have a feeling he'll bounce back. That's your theory. There you go. I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, you're guessing on July 11th, uh, you got to figure Toffoli will have a big year. Yeah. Dowdy will Dowdy have, can't be worse than last year. Can, and Dowdy made excuses in the press conference at the end of the season. Like uh, I was a minus thirty, but a lot of those were empty net goals. I'm like, open net goals. I'm like, okay. Yeah. I, I watched Drew Dowdy play last year. He never made a difference in games. Right? I mean, I think he got uh he's a winner. Like, you know, you you won some cups, you 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 get used to it. I just think he I won't say he gave up. I don't think he did. But I will say he was discouraged, I, and I can't blame him. No, um, it was a terrible season last year. And then having they disrespect, they didn't, they hated that coach. You're right. That guy's telling me he's an AHL coach. He's not even an AHL coach. The 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 P, their pee wee drills were out there. There was such disrespect. And now, like, and I get it. Like Todd McClellan's an excellent guy. Covered in San Jose, he's smart. He's demanding. He's going to get people's attention. This is the third coach Rob Drake's hired. He got to get this right. He's got he's got to start getting things right here. I mean, I mean, what's the biggest movies made since you came in here? I'd say the Muslim trade. The Muslim trade, okay. I, you know, yeah. I, I think Blake, uh, uh, and I just finishing up the last yeah. thing. Uh, I think Kovalchuk, you know, well, he was. Thing, I see what you're saying. If all these guys start playing good next season and they're in a playoff spot, you're going to be in that dead spot of. If you're eighth, twenty-five games in, now what do you do? Do you trade the players or do you keep them? 
right? Oh, wait, we can make the playoffs now. And so the fans' expectation get rise. So then what do you do? Because I'd be honest with you. I mean, I look at St. Louis, and yes, they have a great, obviously, but they're a very good team. You, you won the cup, you're a good team. But like, they don't blow me away with the talent on their roster. No. Uh, I'm not, they're not the most skilled team. They're not the fastest team. You, I mean, you you had guys like O'Reilly come back from the dead. Uh, you know, Bomey. Well, they traded for the Con Smythe winner. <laughs> so you can do it. I, I'm not saying I think the, the Kings are going to win the cup. But like I don't see them like if all the if Kovalchuk has a better year and I don't think he had a bad year fourth on the team in goals sixteenth in playing time. I, look, if McClellan says coach, hey, right, yes, I agree. With you. I think Todd can solve a lot of problems with this team. He claims to have a relationship with Tyler Toffoli, right from from Team Canada. So great because Todd's in a contract year. He had a bad season last year. He called himself unlucky, but I mean, come on. Drew said it wasn't his fault. Todd said it was unlucky. You had a bad season. Own it. Just own it. And now the coaches, again, from from day one, they're they're ten points better because of Todd McClellan. Oh, absolutely. And I don't blame him. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people are turned off on his Edmonton uh, tenure, but it's like Edmonton. Uh, you know, we what get did it. Ken Hitchcock do when he was there. He you like playoffs either drafting forwards. And you draft some and, good ones. And Connor McDavid looks like he aged 15 years playing there. He doesn't even have acne anymore. <laughs> Stress is curing his acne. Uh, but, I mean, uh, so I give him a pass on his Edmonton experience. As do I. I know Todd. I've covered him a ton. I like him. I respect him. I think he's the best move that they've made is Tom McClellan because he's going to solve a lot of the issues that, you know, with the, with this championship, with a lot of guys with still rings in the room, shouldn't be present. So I don't know why. It ha well, I know it happened because of the disrespect to the coach, but he's gotten everybody's attention. I I'm sure by now, even I'm sure he's had conversations with players, and I, I I just love that move. I really really like that coach. Oh, I think he was the best choice out there, and uh, I want to see Grundstrom for a full season. I, I see him being our our Holmstrom. Yeah, agreed. There there is it's like it's not a disaster, right? It's just that it's just that when everything went south last year, it's like they came from such a deep hole. They, Earl, they had a 28-point drop. Like Teams don't have 28-point drops in the NHL. Like, there's too much parity. So, again, I, I, can't, I can't fathom like this team, the performances that we saw last year like as a group. I can't see them all being that bad next season. I mean, which is the scare. It's, it's, I think you and the mayor both said, you know, you don't want to be in that dead spot of you like. Can't. That's the worst you, thing. You, you it's a treadmill you'll never get off. But I don't know what you do if you're the in the Kings case. Like, if just say half of these guys we mentioned have better years, and and the goaltending, you know, goaltending's not the problem in LA, in my opinion. No, no. Uh, you know, and all, they're not youngsters either. Peterson's twenty five, uh, uh, Jack's twenty seven. Like, if you're committing to youth, then then trade the guy, then then move on from these guys. What at whatever price? Who cares at this point in time? If you're getting yourself rid of eleven million dollars of cap space. I don't care if you get a third or fourth round pick from it. Doesn't matter. You have the four. You have the players you want to plug in. Go with them. Like you've established that. You've made it. You've been very, very clear and transparent on why this franchise is going to be in the next two seasons. So then move these guys out. Let the youngsters come in and let's see what happens. Right. I mean, I would. I, now this is maybe a little bit of fantasy hockey. Uh, you know. Let's go. Well, I mean, it didn't happen. So, but I, you know, I know that with Panarin, it was very important for him to play in a city with a strong Russian community. Mm -hmm. And about two miles from where I live on Fairfax and Santa Monica, 
you can't get a better Russian community in the country. Like it, it almost. I, I, Earl, I agree. And you could sell that and you could sell it. Did they kick tires on him at all? No. Not that I know of. Uh, Never picked up the phone. But that they, they say that they don't have the cap space to do it or whatever. I mean, I, I get it. I understand it. It's not what I would have done. Right. The money, because Earl, here's the thing. Right? He didn't take the most money. The Islanders and Florida, they, they offered them more money. He took less money to play in Madison Square Garden. He wanted to play in a big city. This is a big city with a great arena. And a team that, he signed on with a team that hasn't won a Stanley Cup in 25 years. Yeah, well, Come on. Make the phone call. Like, what's it going to take? Wait till Larry Brooks gets him in an interview. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's the point, is that that team is not close to contention. They don't have a two, they don't even have a one season. The manager had a really good season for one season. Like, he signed on for not the most money on a team that's in the same state, basically, as the Kings are. Right? So to not pick up the phone and not try for that player, when you wanted a user or a cackle, and I get it, they coming in on entry-level contracts to younger players. This guy's only 27 years old. He's a difference maker. He makes better plays around. And, and you know what? If it was me, I'd go out and talk to Mitchell Marner's people. Right? I'd go out and, and talk about what it would take. Right? And I wouldn't care about the future. I look, because here's the thing, and this is not King-specific. Mitchell Marner. Right. You want to offer him twelve million dollars. Oh, four round perks for four first round picks. Can't do it. Well, if Mitchell Moore comes on your team, he's gonna make everybody else on that line and that team better. Right. So your first four round picks are probably gonna be fifteen to twenty to twenty-five. None of those players are gonna be better than Mitchell Marner. Right. So can you leverage the future? Yeah. And guess what? Look what Steve Ballmer did. He traded five first round picks and swapped two first round picks to get one player to sign another. So don't tell me it can't be done. Like, you don't want to do it. And this is not on Blake or Robitaille or the organization. This is on the NHL and the GMs who are still thinking like it's 1975, right? And they complain about the, the hard salary cap. Like, really? A million and a half dollars difference and you can't make a trade? Then you shouldn't be running the team. And, and so there's no creativity, Earl. I mean, that's why I'd say kudos to Mark Bergeron for doing that offer sheet, even though it didn't get matched. Because he was creative. Earl, we never see, and I get it, the NBA is different. You need two or three players to make a team. There's, there's 12 men on a roster, not 23. Can we get a three-way deal like one, one time every season? Like we had it with the Duchesne trade when he went to, when he went to, uh, to Ottawa. But, I mean, it never happens. Earl, like there's such blatant lack of creativity. The hard cap, BS. I don't, I don't want to hear about the hard cap. You paying guys in the middle, middle nine guys, $4 million a year, and you didn't manage the cap right, that's on you. That's not on It's it just there's such lack of creativity, such lack. All these GMs as a group are risk averse. They don't want to take risks, right? So, as a, so Rob, if he wanted to take a risk and try to trade Carter and, and a pick or a player, nobody's biting. It's like nobody's taking risks in this league, and that's the one thing. So when fans talk about it and you hear these people say, Oh, well, the NBA's got a soft cap, and that's why, and the Major League Baseball doesn't have a salary cap, and we should go the, towards that because agents say that and some media say that. I said it on the year last a couple of days ago on Sirius XM. The NBA, with all the stuff that's going on, they've had 11 teams that have won 30, 11 teams have won championships in the last 35 years. It's the same bullshit, it's no different. Baseball, when baseball starts, there's eight teams that can win the World Series every year. Like, so don't tell me about it. And the NHL, what did we have? All four seeds got eliminated in the first round by wildcard teams. 
So don't tell me that, there, that this needs to happen. That's why there's no activity. There's a reason there's no activity and GM's hands are tied because they don't want to be creative. They don't want to take risks. That's the problem with this league with respect to the lack of, of when we always get disappointed with respect to free agent frenzy or the trade deadline is that there's no creativity. Nobody wants to take a risk because they're afraid for their jobs. Well, I think the NHL's biggest problem is like I was watching the Tampa uh, Columbus series. There's got to be a way, and maybe it's not sustainable, but to amp up the intensity in the regular season. Because you could tell mm -hmm. Tampa, co I don't want to say coasted, but you know they just weren't used to the intensity of the playoffs. Uh, in, in my opinion, Kucherov was not used. Oh, there's checking in the playoffs. Oh, guys are slashing. <laughs> right. Uh, and I think that's why we see so many upsets in hockey is it's such a, and I think I said this, uh, maybe the last time you were here, uh, regular season hockey is like kiss doing an acoustic concert. <laughs> and then you get to that first round or really any round. It's like kiss with the full makeup and lasers and bombs. Right. And it's completely different. And I, that, that's why you see some of the better teams lose early because right. they're just not, I don't know what they could do. Well, Look, game 80, you're right. Game 83 is very different than game 82. But the other thing that you mentioned and what I wrote and I've said on the air, like none of those teams, all those number one seeds, adversity could handle it. They can't handle adversity because of what you mentioned, Earl. When you go through a season with 115 points and your leading score has got 127 points, what does it matter, right? It's like because... St. Louis, had, and, and I talked to Braden Shen about the type of team that's needed to win. Because nobody, you know, we were always talking about, oh, um, speed and skill and youth. That's what this team is, that's what this league is trending to. Really? You see what Vancouver did? They traded for JT Mill and son Michael Furland. Who I wanted getting, the Kings to go after. Yeah, but. They, they ain't getting younger and faster. They ain't getting, I mean, that's not skill. That's, that's more. And I asked Braden Shen, like, all this stuff about moving towards speed and skill. He goes, you know what? You need both. You need a physical aspect to your game. Do you need skill yet yeah, to some extent? Do you need four 30-goal scorers on the team to win? No. There's one on St. Louis. I mean, David Perron scored 27 goals for that team. They're not blinding speed. They weren't blinding skill. But, Earl, they knew what it take to win. So, like, a team like Calgary, who I thought was suspect from day one, not because of their goaltending, it's because when I looked at their roster, like, is this, is this team tough enough to win in the playoffs? They weren't. They were absolutely not. Because there's different, look, Matthew Kachuk's tough. He's a punk, but he's tough. But Johnny Gaudreau, Sean Monaghan, really good players. Not, not disrespecting them. They're really talented. But Earl, you said it. Like, every inch of ice is battled for. And you're going to lose games. And you're not going to dominate. Because everybody's about the same. And you have to understand that. So if that, that goes to coaching, right? I mean, we talk about how great a coach John Cooper is. For them to get swept and, and not handle adversity, that's on the coach. Because he's got to drill it into their heads and whatever. Bag, skate, whatever. You should be pounding that team the last 20 games. Not taking, not taking the foot off the pedal because guess what, guys? It's going to be very different once we hit Columbus game one. And it was. They had adversity. They got hit with it, and they didn't respond. And all these teams didn't respond because they didn't know what it takes. Yeah, I mean, I just think Columbus, you know, it's where you wouldn't think anyone enjoys playing for Tortorella. But... He, you know, his first few years in every city he's been in, it seemed to unite around his ornery. He's an acquired taste. It's a it's a bunker mentality. It's us against them. I'm sure that John Tortorella, the two days before the playoffs series started, like, hey guys, nobody fucking expects us to win. 
Everybody said we're going to get swept. You look at, and I think, I don't know what it was. I think 50, 60 media experts picked them. I think 59 picked Tampa. He goes, nobody expects us to win. So let's go out and punch them in the face. And that's what happened. That's what I wrote a couple a couple of um, um, columns ago. Like, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. Oh, yeah. Right? Like Mike Tyson, right? They got punched in the face, and they didn't get up. And that happens to a lot of uh, the elite teams who just coast, not coast through the season, but, you know, win by comfortable margins. And then you go up against that eighth seed, and they're yeah. hungry. And uh, That's you know, what happens. It, the game changes, or else a very, very different game come mid-April. But is there anything that. you can do to maybe make regular season hockey more uh not i mean i know you can't play like game 83 at, in game 38 against you know carolina the only way you could do it girls how do you make the game, regular season more important you would you would reduce the number of games which you can't do because of revenue we want to you know hockey really revenue's got to go up the only way you would do that is to make the games more like because if you had 70 game season like you'd have Probably each division, each conference is 15. You might have 12 teams battling if it was 70, if it was 70 games. But you can't do that because the revenue, I don't think there's anything you can do to make it more relevant. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna hear about load management next year, where they actually might sit players. But we we just proved that you can't sit players because they can't turn it on and off like a light switch. Right? Because guess what? Tampa wasn't playing a game that mattered to them in January. They were playing for four months with nothing at stake. It's not the way to do it. So maybe you rest players more. Maybe maybe you don't go out. I mean, you go out to win every game, but you know maybe you put your third and fourth liners in there. You know, maybe you bring up your youngsters or something like that. I don't know how you stage it, Earl, but it's up to the coach to say, look, here's the thing. The last 20 games of the season, we got to play differently, right? And the GM's got to do that too. The GM's got to realize that they need a guy like, you know, Oscar Sundquist, who hammered one, who got suspended in the final because he hammered a guy against the boards. Like, they weren't the dirtiest team, St. Louis, but guess what? They hit everybody every fucking game. And they were physical, and they hit, and they pounded people, and they pounded them, and they pounded them. Right? So at some point in time, the fast skaters can't get away. And guess what? Boston wasn't a fast team either. They were quicker, but they weren't really blinding speed fast. And what happened with Boston? Why did Boston get to the cup final? Because they made two really good trades. You know, people made fun of them when they traded for Johansson and Charlie Coyle. Those two guys on the team, they didn't even get to the cup final. So here's the thing is that we talk about trends in the league and copycat league. We can sit here today and like, we don't know because coming into the Stanley Cup final, we thought that it was Tampa Bay anointed. They're going to win. Look at all the skill and speed. Braden points on the third line. Look at this. How can it be stopped? And a grinding team, you know, that came in, what, that had no home ice advantage to playoffs, like with a, a center they traded for in the offseason from Buffalo. Jack Eichel didn't want the Conn Smythe winner in Buffalo, right? Well, you don't know what wins in this league, but you got to know that, guess what? What did they win with? Goaltending and defense. You still need that. There's still components. And that goes back to the Kings of 2014. If you don't have that, Earl, you still don't win the postseason. Oh, absolutely. And it goes back to trades. I mean, Lombardi, I think, unfairly for him, gets remembered for the, the Lucic uh, monstrous mess. Uh, which and I Sakara trade too. Sakara trade played twelve games, and the, but you know what, I would, you know, it's like with the Kovalchuk signing, I would have signed. I thought Kovalchuk was exactly what we needed when you, for that team, a ninety-eight point team that needed scoring at yes. that time. Correct. Of course, we can a year later go ah, maybe it didn't work out. Well, but Earl, you don't, you don't put him on the team 
and then fire him after 13 games and put a, a guy who shouldn't be coaching in his place. Well, if you look at what, you know, we lost four one-goal games to Vegas in the in the playoffs. Uh, you know, he, he was the only really goal scorer available via free agency. I, I love the trade. And I sat there and looked Luke Robertson in the eye last year at the uh, State of Franchise. What's the expectation for him? 25 to 30 goals. Which I think he could have gotten uh, if Deshard and... Uh, I've been playing him six minutes. I love Kyle Clifford. I, I love him to death. You know my love of tough guys. But He's a great man. He's a great man. I hope he retires a king. Agreed. Whether it hurts the team or not. They need I, him. They need that. They need some culture. They need that toughness. They need him to mentor the players. But, but he shouldn't be on the second line. He should not be playing more than Gobelchuk. No. Uh, no. It was a horrible selection. And here's, look, did Rob get jammed up? Yeah, because Rob went into the market saying, I'm only going to take, who's ever going to take this job has got to take an interim. So you get the guys who are willing to gamble to get back in the league. And DeJordan had been in the league. But if he had taken the time to talk to three people in Vancouver, he never would have hired him. Right? I well, mean, who else was, uh, not, I mean, I'll assume that, you know, they still had to pay Sutters. Yeah. Uh, and then Stevens. Uh, yeah. So I'll assume it was like, well, we need someone to coach the team. Uh, and if, if they lose, hey. Not not the worst thing. I would in the have world. elevated one of the assistants, or I would have elevated uh, Stuthers. But maybe he didn't want to step into a situation like that. But thirteen games in, Earl. I mean, so so that so Rob owned some of that because he had the wrong coach for that player. You mentioned the time on ice. You can't do that, right? You can't do. It. You needed that. So he's got to own. It. And you know what? Rob did own it. And the great thing about Rob, he's owned his mistakes. He sat there in press conference, manned up, and said, "Look, I did a lot of things wrong here." Right, it wasn't a good season for me, and now he's got to change it. He's got to flip it. But guess what? He's got to start getting things right. It's great that you own the mistakes that you made, but three seasons in, you got to start guessing right. But I think King fans are um, too harsh on Blake because I think Blake, uh, you know, with how he left the team as a player, there's some fans that still harbor that. Correct. Yeah. And but you know what? Let's as a performer myself. You go where the money is at. Totally. No. You, you go to... It's still America, I think. I'm who sure gets back to you uh, first. And apparently uh, the Kings, from what I understand, you would know more than I would, drag their feet a little bit and yeah. getting back to Blake. He's like, hey, they're offering me this. Twice, right? Now. You have to go win the cup. And he went to play in San Jose. But that's where he built the relationship with Tom McClellan. So at the end of the day, it's probably a positive thing that we sit here in 2019. But yeah, there's a faction of fans that rob that think that he left the team twice, so, you know, and, and and not for nothing, you know, he didn't really go through the pace. He, he's not he's not a guy like Mike Fuda who's been a manager for a long time and, has, you know, gets on planes and scouts people and, and does all these other things. You know, he was just sitting uh, alongside of, of Dean Lombardi, learned his lessons well. Um, obviously, there's a relationship and friendship between him and, and Luke, and they came in as a management team, so we'll see. But, again, now we're at the third season. Like, by the end of this season – you have to see some trends in a positive direction. You can't, even if they don't make the playoffs and it's an eight, you've got to see some development here, right? Because it can't, it can't continue in perpetuity like that. You just, as a general manager in any sport, you don't have seven years to get back here. Like, and that's the issue. That's the challenge at this point. Well, hopefully uh, it happens like it has for the Rangers, uh, you know, or, you know, one summer they've, you know, got Panarin, Kako, and some other kids that, you yeah. know, no one's talking traded about. traded for Jacob Truba. Yeah, you don't even uh, talk about Truba. Uh, right. So I think you can right It's been the accelerated wrongs. in New York. 
Yeah. They were saying, oh, we wrote the letter and everybody made fun of the letter. And now it's going to rebuild. Oh, guess what? The rebuilding expectations are much, much higher than they were just two months ago. Well, that's why I would have kept enough to be completely honest. You know, all you hear is he sucks. He's too slow. He can't play in this league. But let's, personally, I'm a fan of his, but like, be that as it may. Uh, if he does suck, he's going to help you get a lower pick. <laughs> or a higher pick. So, like, I had never understood, like, get rid of this guy. Uh, uh, well, nobody, I mean, I know nobody he's... Nobody signed him, right? But, like, if he's that bad, which I don't believe he was, has the game passed him by? It probably has, in terms of the quickness. Mm -hmm. But... Uh, oh, it has. Well, but he was really... Look, for all the stuff that was said about him early in his career in Toronto and... The, and really, basically, in Toronto... Like he was a professional. He always had time for the media. From one instant, he mentored the kids well. They learned from him. So he was a class act. So it's tough to hit him around. But again, the finances, I get the buyout. I understand it. They want to go in a younger, different direction. So if, if he blocked the Matt Roy from playing next season, you can't have that happen at this point in time. Because he's by the time you're good again, he's going to be 36 years old. So I get it. I understand it. So I, I understand it. I, I, I have zero problem with that. I think it was the right thing to do there. Personally, I would have bought out Jeff Carter, but that's another story for another time. But I have no problem with that because they had to move on and they had the depth of defense, even though it's not quality. You have to give these other kids who are 23, 24 years old a shot. But to me, if Matt Juan, uh, Dursey, and, and Walker, Walker yeah. uh, McDermott to a lesser degree, although I don't see him being. No, he, he's not. But enough. like if they can't be. Dan out Brickley, who they, you know, they, you know, they printed Dan Brickley out in front of the. The fans at the State of the Union last year, like never got, never saw the light of day. So there's, it's tough, you know. Look, there's an old saying, like prospects are cool, but you know, parades are cooler and championships are cooler. So it's great that, and I know that there's some fans are excited about the prospects that they have, um, which there are some coming. Absolutely, the, the the system is not bare here. Like we could be having an entire different conversation 24 months from now. Right, just that next season is that real. It could be a really, really tough season again, and and me from my from my vision, like I would have wanted to add one star player here, not go hog wild and bring in three. I mean, you can't do that, right? But I I would have liked to see them go in the market now and bring in a star player. I mean, look, why not bring in Joe Pavelski, right? Against a, a division rival, Joe and suiting up in Kings uniform. Are you kidding me? It's seven million dollars a year, thirty eight goals. He would have, I mean, he would have dialed up the rivalry. He certainly would have been motivated every time they stepped on the guys in San Jose. He winds up going to Dallas. So that, that that's sort of my challenge. It's like, I would, me, if I'm a general manager, I would be more aggressive because I don't have the luxury of time. Well, I, I would have, uh, you know, I'm all about experimenting. I, I would have signed Furland uh, and not signed Ayafalo. I, I, he just doesn't do it for me. Okay. Uh, and now I'm a comic, so at the end of the day, what the hell do I well, know? Look, here's the thing. The thing about I follow is uh, he improved his goal scoring last year, but again, it's all all this is tinted by the fact that DeJardin was a coach, so it's really hard to tell. So let's see how he functions under Todd McClellan. I follow would be a great third-line left wing. Absolutely. It, right? Yeah. Nope. Solid. But he was on the first line, and guess what? He had great chemistry with Kopitar and... and 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 um, and Brown and they loved playing with him because he cleared the path. He was aggressive. He created time and space for them. So I get I understand it. But again, if you're on the top line, you got to be a 25 to 30 goal guy. And he was a nine goal guy the first year. Yeah, it, it's just it, it just it's just not good enough. I mean, and again, on a really really good team, third line left wing, absolutely solid. 
like he can't be in your top six, right? Unless he finds a scoring touch that I don't think he'll ever find. And he's not eight again. And these prospects are a lot that we talk about. They're not 18, 19 years old. They're 22, 23 years old. So they're at the end of their development arc. They're not at the beginning. So that's why they're looking at a kid like Kupari, who's what, 18, 19 years old. They got to look at these younger players because the, the guys that they have in the system, right? They are all the grunts from 21, 22 years old. He's not going to, he's not going to be twice as good in two or three years. He's probably at the level he's going to be. And you you mentioned Holstrom, and I agree with you. That's a comparable. So, again, if he's on a third line or second line and gets 20 goals, then, yeah, you got something. So, yeah, it's not doom and gloom for me. It's just that it's just the the just the aggressive. They're not aggressive enough to get in another elite player in here. That's my one that, – that's my one – disagreement with what with with a rebuild because of what i mentioned not only that there isn't one in the organization but you really need a, a selling tool to sell this 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 rebuild because if you go because what happens are and we talked about this you know what goes on with these other teams in the system like you know it's like what are you selling here right i mean that you that every other team has star players these have two and i consider kopitar and dowdy star players they've been with the franchise for 10 years like what's the sell right now? What's the sizzle? There's no, there's no sizzle. There's no, and what that does is the marginal fan, right? That might go to a game if he has a hundred dollars to spend on a game. He's not coming to a Kings game. The hardcore fan that's going to be here like you is going to buy tickets. Going to be there every day. You can't chase those people away. And that might be twelve or thirteen thousand. But twelve or thirteen thousand that means there's six thousand empty seats, right? And that's the challenge. That's the issue. And again, it goes back to, will there be a commitment if there's multiple seasons like that? And they had that sellout streak, you know, in quotes. They kept going, and they finally waved the flag this season on that. So that's the problem is that when you, when, you, when you sell a rebuild without a star player at the top that's going to take this team into the next generation, like the marginal fan is not going to be – not in this town and not going to be interested. Well, unfortunately, I agree with everything you just said. I mean, it's, there's very few name star players who – you could bring here. I mean, you're not going to get Ovechkin. He in the uh, in the fantasy hockey world, he would be go get him. Uh, you know, because he is a name marginal hockey fans probably know. Malkin, Pot. You know, he's got the personality of Dolph Lundgren and Universal right. Soldier. I don't know what you could Ovechkin. You could put in a commercial out here, sign up to CAA. Oh, he'd be a huge. Uh, yeah. But that's Go not happening. ESPN be the. Linda Cohen every night, yeah, it'd be great. That's not happening. Right. Uh, and only that, Earl, if it was if it was Jack Hughes, it's it's doable, it's sellable. Oh, a Jew? I didn't even know he was Jewish. No, I'm not yeah. like I'm Jewish, so like yeah, let's so not. I, Bernstein definitely Jewish. Oh, you're definitely Jewish. I mean, thirteen uh, percent Greek though. But well, I, 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 see, if you didn't have sponsors, I'd carry I this. You, yeah, I know where you go there, but like. Yeah, Hughes would have been great. To, uh, that you could have sold. Because L.A. has a Jewish community. Yeah. Uh, Fresh-faced kid. He's got to go personal. Even Kako. Kako would be all great. The, all the Finns that don't you know, say three words but score 50 goals. But, that would have been good. So that would have been sellable. To me, it's like Alex Turcotte may be the kid. It's two years away. Like, what are you doing between now and then to draw people in, right? To draw the media in. Where's the excitement around this thing? Because down the hall, every in October and November, like, Kawhi Leonard and LeBron James and Anthony Davis are, are suiting up for you. It's, it makes it just such a difficult sell. I mean, and there's really no way to get a star. Uh, you'd have to mortgage half your team. To, to, let's just say the Penguins call us and say, uh, what do you want for Malkin? I mean, 
you'd have to give up uh, probably Turcotte, uh, you know. Yeah, and he's 31. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. That's, I mean, I that's the problem. It's a, but but Panarin's 27 years old. And go Patrick Lane. Look, here's the thing in Winnipeg. Patrick Lane and Kyle Connor, 30 goal scorers. They both need to get paid. They both probably want nine, ten million dollars. Guess what? Winnipeg doesn't want to do that. Make a phone call. What's it gonna take for Patrick Lane? Oh, maybe you don't have to offer sheet him. What's it gonna take? Three first round picks? I do it. I would for him. I do it. He's 21 years old. He had a bad season, scored 30 goals. We haven't seen a player like that when? You tell me you're a Kings fan. When have we seen a, a player like Patrick Lane in the city? In a King uniform? In a King uh, uniform. I mean, my mind instantly went to Bernie Nichols, you know, okay. uh, 70 goal season. I know that right. was a, a bit of an aberration. That's how long ago it's been. Like, that's what we, that's what, that's what this organization needs. They need to go out and, and mortgage the future, right? Because if you tell me all these other BNC prospects are really, really good, then, then the, 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 the three first-round picks for next year might take to get Patrick Lane. Why not do it? I would do it for Lane, absolutely. Right. I mean, I would him with Kopitar. And then pay him the money. And then trade Carter and Quick, and there's your money to pay Lane. There's ways to do it. But, again, that, that's my challenge. That's my issue is that, that I have nothing wrong with rebuilding a team. It's just the sell of it is like really tough because it's been five seasons without a play of round victory, right? And now it's probably going to be seven. So, and I'm not the fan, but the fan who wants to pay the 125 bucks. And by the way, full transparency, I'm a season ticket holder, right? So I have some skin in the game, right? And guess what? We sat in the 15th row last year. And all of a sudden, because the team had 71 points, we're in the fourth row. Those those seats would never be available in 2014. Oh right? yeah, I mean, right? it, so it, that's that's and so when I talk about that, it's not me just guessing. It's firsthand knowledge. Is that we're on the aisle in the fourth row where the Kings shoot twice on the blue line. So if you got, guys want to throw shit at me next season, you know where I'm sitting when I'm right. in the press box, right? So so I I see that happening. I'm like, wow, these seats are amazing, and why are they even available? Oh, guess what? Willie DeJardin, 71 points. That's why they're available. So that that's the tough thing, and I know it's going to be a struggle. And look. If Kings fans are patient, that's great. And if it takes two years to get back to a championship, and look, you as a fan, Earl, you're still paying taxes on the two banners that are hanging from the ceiling. And you want to trade off on that because guess what? In 2011, had I come to you and say, hey, Earl, here's the deal. Two Stanley Cup championships. Five years after that, you're not going to do shit. Would you sell? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you're in a second. So again, the organization's done all the right things. So I'm not criticizing AEG or Anschutz or anybody else because they, they stopped the wandering in the desert. I get it. But now there are certain organizations that don't fall as far after winning championships. This has been one. And there have been mistakes made in the last couple of seasons that probably shouldn't have been made. But now here, and this is why it's, so why the game, while it may not be riveting to watch this team next season, it's such a crucial time for this organization. Because one of two things is going to happen. Those kids are going to develop. Todd's going to get them back on the right track. You're going to see a path back towards contention or it's going to be another bad season, and then what do you do? Right? So that's why, to me, from a media standpoint, it's going to be, to me, it's going to be really, really compelling because everything possibly that could have gone wrong last season went wrong, and that is opportunity. And again, with Todd leading the charge, with some of these kids that could emerge, it's not hopeless situation. And when I wrote that article, I didn't look at it as hopeless. It's just some huge question marks that have to be answered in the third year of this regime. Well, I remember when we did uh, the Kings of the Round Table, and uh, when did we do that? August. We did it in August the last season. Uh, and I don't want to say I was the only one, but I was like, I didn't talk a lot, 
I get shy when I'm you around. Get shy for some reason. Well, you reason. know, there's. I'm probably the least uh, technical, knowledgeable hockey man in that room, so I I don't mind listening more than talking. But I think. Uh, the, so what were you thinking? Well, I was like, you know, everyone in this room is giving Velarde a big like. You know, yeah, he's our second line center, or he's gonna start out as third line center and probably move up to second line center. And I remember saying, "What's it gonna be like the first time he takes a cross check from Zdeno Chara?" Right, you I, said that. I'm saying that. I don't, I don't remember if it was you or Slagle, the great Brian Slagle, Metal Blade Records, uh, said, "Well, he's not gonna be playing against Chara." I said, "Okay, what's it gonna be like when he takes a a cross check from Kevin Bieksa or someone like that?" Colton Paranko. Right, right, or Fanaf. Yeah. Right. Take a guy. Oh, this practice. guy shouldn't be in the league anymore. Right. Enough. Dinosaur. Well, his cross checks hurt as good as anyone's, and we didn't even get to see what it would be like because he didn't play. Player, like if he ever found a way to get his back better, he would be the guy. That's a and nice. That's unfortunate. What's maybe the he turns? What's the? Because uh, the Kings have been very uh, skull and bones on yeah. his. Uh, well, it's what is it's his status? Both muscular and and structural. So there's issues with, with his with his back from a muscular and from a joint standpoint that they can't figure out. But they don't, and it could be a pain a pain threshold thing. I mean, it could be a situation where, um, I'll give you an example. Rick Nash. Rick Nash had a bad back his entire career. After games, ice pack on his back, bad back, missed games, but he played. He played through it. I'm not sure how much damage there is to that back. But if there isn't a lot of damage, then it's a mental thing. And can this kid get on the ice and play with the pain and fight through the pain and play? Because he would be the guy. And it's unfortunate. That's a, that's something that you couldn't have forecasted and we didn't see happening. Um, and that would have been the guy, right? So to add him to Turcotte and the rest of them, that would have been something. But you can't count on that now. So that's why it are all of they knew, they would tell us. Like, if you were certain a player is physically okay, why would you hide that from the fans and the media? Like they don't know because it's. I think it's it's. There's an issue with his back, but I think also it is. It's the player's ability to play with pain, because this looks like it's going to be a a condition that's not going to go away. This is something he's going to have to play with, and I think they've intimated that as such. So, not everybody can do that, Earl, because of the demands of this. You know, he's a what nineteen twenty year old player. Like it's tough. Your back hurts. You try to get on the ice. You get hit by Colton Pareko in the first period, first shift. Like, oh, shit, my back's killing me. Like, he has to find a way to manage that pain. And Earl, he's not the only player in the, in the league. I think 99% of the players manage pain, right? Nobody's totally healthy. So I think that's the issue. Is that, it, so it's not skull and duggery. It's the fact that there's a there's a, a issue that's keeping him off the ice that's both structural and muscular, and that's why we haven't seen Gabe Velarde, which is a shame. Because that's, wow, that would be, like you said, that. Yeah, that's no, a thirty goal score. That's a guaranteed thirty goal score. In this he game. and Tur got coming. Yep, and, and it Tom. could happen. I mean, it could happen. All these kids still remember their kids are not you know thirty five year old executives here. You know, trying to you know trying to lead a corporation. Their kids are twenty years old. Maybe he heals. Maybe he has the right physical therapist. Maybe they find a procedure that that helps him and stuff like that. But again, it's a maybe. And there's just too many maybes in this organization to say, hey, I got to go in with full confidence saying, okay, two seasons from now, no problem. This could be a hundred point team. Can't say that at this point. Well, you know, my fear is, uh, you know, I'm a big Pittsburgh Steeler fan. I know that, yes. And uh, I remember in 1983, we had a chance to draft Dan Marino. 
but they didn't want to hurt Bradshaw's feelings. <laughs> it goes back to what you said. If I come up to you in 2011, right? Did you do the? Uh, and I just feel like to quick, especially not so much more than Carter, just because quick is an OG king, right? Uh, that there's they don't want to hurt either his or the fans' feelings of like, hey, thanks for the two cups, brother. But like, you look, if you look at the long-term ramifications of what happened to the Steelers, basically for 10 years after the fact, mm -hmm. they went through Mark Malone, right, Bobby Brister, cried, uh, start with a K, Tom Zach. Right. Uh, and that, that's my fear is that you mentioned holding on to some of the players who got them the cups. I mean, it's- Do you want to hold on to quick? Oh no! I listen. I love him, but being a Steeler fan and seeing what happened to loyalty, yeah. it's like, hey, thanks, man. I'm fine with Peterson because I want to. Because uh, I know you got to go. Uh, you're busy, man. Uh, I, I want to try and set up the roster for the fans. Yeah. Uh, I'm fine with Cam Campbell and uh, Peterson and one two. Well, the uh, way it starts next season is not going to be like that. It's going to be Quick and and, uh, and Campbell. And Peterson it, could go back to the minors at 25 years old. I don't know what it does for him. Maybe he's just a man awaiting until they move quick. I, that's what would be my hope. Because I just don't think he's got anything more to learn in Ontario. No, no. And, it's, he's 25 years old, Earl. He's not 21. And if like, anything... They got him from another organization. Same thing with Jack Campbell. you got to start playing these guys. And Jack was great. And, and Peterson was up here. Was, had the, the same crappy team that they had. They put up 920 save percentages. And John didn't. John had a lousy year. And he knows it. And I, I mean, and that's the dilemma. It's like if I'm scouting and I see the numbers these two kids put up and then his numbers, I'm like, wait a minute. So the team stuck, but they were good and he was bad. So is he bad? So that's the issue. Again, it goes to maybe the maybe you might see a ton of John Quick in the first 20 games here in an effort to get a move because I don't everybody's going to the cottages. All the GMs now they're on vacation. It's what the 11th of, of, of July. Nobody's making a trade. So all these plays that you see based on some one and look, one conversation could change things. But you, this is the team you're going to have coming in the training camp. So Carr is going to be there, Defoe is going to be there, Quick's going to be there. And again, I just think at this point in time, you got to play quick. You got to keep the team is better in front of them. You got to hope that so, not hope you're going to see an injury from another team's goaltender, finally from a, a contender, or somebody starts off poorly, and then Rob's got to burn up the phone lines, get quick moved, and then put Peterson in this place. Well, I would think Quick would be an amazing consolidation prize. Uh, consolation. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know what word I just said. Uh, for the Bobrovsky losers, you know, maybe Columbus, even though they got the two kids, prospects in that. Uh, you know, if I'm the Islanders. Uh, the Islanders made a mistake. Why they traded for Varlamov. I, why they signed Varlamov, I don't, I, I don't know what they're thinking. I don't know. I mean, Lou didn't have a good July 1st. He did bring back Anders Lee. I don't get that. That I would have had John Quick and John Quick's from the area. Yeah, he's from Connecticut. And now yet, look, if, let's say John Quick's, let's say he doesn't get any better, right? In two seasons from now, you got an expansion draft. So any of these guys you talk about trading, it's not a four-year commitment; it's a two-year commitment. Because don't tell me that in two years that Seattle won't have an interest in Jonathan Quick as a guy who's won two Stanley Cups. A guy like not it's it's not a great comparison, but look at Mark Andre Fleury, won two cups, went to Vegas, expansion. I mean, you you. Seattle's got to sell tickets. They got to have name brand players. That would be a great name brand player. So if I'm trading for John Quick, I'm saying, okay, it's two years. If it doesn't work out, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put him on, and he's gonna like Carter Hart, right? And Philly, Brian Elliott was, 
I mean, he was really, he was not good. I mean, Jonathan Quick's a championship goaltender, knows how to win big games. That should have been the trade they should have made. So though all these teams that sign other players, like Calgary, I would have traded for him. I wouldn't sign Cam Talbot. We got John Quick in there because he knows how to win games and get in seven. It's not just about the honest performance, Earl. It's about mentoring players on what it takes to win and be prepared mentally for big games. And John Quick could still do that. So maybe not in Calgary, but I agree with you. I think there's going to be some team here at some point in time that, you know, might might want to have that entity. I mean, I would always say Ottawa, but they ain't going to win anything anytime soon. So why do you need a, a championship goal to go in there? But yeah, I agree. But I just think that first 20 games, you're going to see John Quick in the net a lot because he, the Kings want to prove to other teams that this guy is healthy, that he's not as bad as he was last season. A lot of it was just a function of having a very poor team in front of him. So let's, all right, we'll start with the goalies. So it's Quick and Campbell. Right. Peterson in Ontario. Uh, def- let's hit that six, the six defenseman. All right. So Dowdy, number one. Martinez, Forbert. Now it gets good. Oh, I guess Joachim Ryan, who they signed from San Jose, is going to be. Yeah, you know, not, you know, that's that's like a Hansus bridge. Uh, I get it. And Walker and Roy. And Dursey, possibly. Mm, No, I don't think, I think, no. Honestly, if he's going anywhere, he's going to AHL. But those are your six defensemen. That's a scary six defensemen, to be honest with you. It's scary. That's. That's why you paid. That's why you signed Todd on for five years, and you get a commitment from Todd for five years. Yeah, after two, it's not quality. It's going to be tough. It's going to be a tough road defensively. All right. So now let's get to the forwards. I'll assume first line is uh, Brown, Kopitar, Afalo. Yes. All right. So you know, it's not the worst first line in the world. Go back two seasons. Brown was a sixty-point player, and Kopi was what a point-a-game player. Uh, our second line is uh, Kempe, Carter, and Toffoli. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think Toffoli's going to have a great year because okay. he wants that money. He wants that money. I mean, it usually happens. He's going to try a little harder in the corners, you know. I, I would I would trade him to Buffalo for Ristolainen. Oh, absolutely. That's what I would do. Uh, but, but, I just but, had- but, yeah, but, yeah, look, yes. Tyler Defoe, he has scored 30 goals in this league, right? He had two. The season before he was hurt, he had a cracked um, kneecap. He was hurt. Last season, I don't know. But again, the coach. But yeah, potentially could the each, each one of those. Look, potentially Carter's 25, Defoe's 25. Kempe, uh, I'm not a fan. 15. Great but, wrist but shot. That, yeah, I know. Every seventh game. That's the problem. So, but yeah. But that, yeah, but that's, that's. Yes. Could that be a productive second line? Yeah. He's used question marks on that, so keep going. All right, so third line is where it gets fun. Yeah. And I kind of like this third line if it's uh, Grundstrom. Yep. My boy Ilya. Okay. And the real wild card is I've been staring at his name for five minutes because I want to be a knowledgeable hockey fan. Prohorkin. Yeah. uh, Possibly, yes. I I mean, uh, but I get concerns that he's already been penciled in, and like it's kind of like. Well, what about Anderson Dolan? It's. I'd rather see. I would assume uh, Kovalchuk would like his countrymen there. And you don't bring a twenty-seven-year-old player to sit on the bench, but there's no guarantee because they look at the Shipachev in Vegas. But yeah, but that's that's reasonable. That's a reasonable third line. Uh, well, I, what's Shipachev up to? Maybe he. Uh... I don't think he's back in Russia. All right, so fourth line, you know, it, it, I guess it really almost doesn't matter, but I will say Clifford, Lewis, and then may, maybe Mario Kempe. Uh, Mario. 
Amadio. Oh boy, that's a rough fourth line. I love Amadio. Like it's nothing personal, but like mm -hmm. when you look at Vegas fourth line, and and, and I know that oh, Bel yeah. Bellamar's gone now, but like uh, you know Reeves is a very effective guy, he and, and uh, St. Louis is. They have role players. These guys aren't role players. I mean, look, Cliffy's a role player. Lewis is a role player, but the, the Earl below the the, the the bottom nine forwards, a lot of question marks there. A lot underneath the three defensemen. There's a lot of question marks there. There's a lot of ifs and maybes. There's not, oh, I mean, who knows what Pearl Hawkins is going to do? No he knows. could be great. Yeah. Or he could be, yeah. Yeah, no, the, the guy the guy who, who came over from the KHL, he's now at Madison Square Garden next season making $10 million a year. He, he, he came over pretty good. But again, what's the, what's the benchmark? He was a point of game player in the KHL, Pearl Hawkins. So if he's half a point, six tenths of a point, that's what, a 40, 50 point player? I, I'd love this team to have a... If you're a 50-point player, Earl, you're the second-leading scorer on this team last season. So you would take a 50-point player on this team. I'm not sure it is because, again, it's chemistry. It's like you're throwing all these players together that really... I mean, Carter and Defoe have played together, right? But everybody else that you mentioned below the top line hasn't played together. Like, how do you get... You know, it's just... It's a lot of work. It's a lot of heavy lifting for, for Todd McClellan next season. Well, in my fantasy world, in full disclosure, I thought when we got Lucic, I'm like, this is going to be the best line in the league. You've got the Lucic power game. You've got Kopitar's shiftiness and the Gabrick's speed and hands, and that line was a disaster. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, it just on paper, it, it should have been amazing. Uh, yeah. But, you know, you know, Lucic was just too slow. Yeah. But uh, he had – look, he was a 55-point player, though. He – and Co I know for a fact Kopey liked playing with him. He enjoyed playing with him, and, and he was still productive. He was fifty. He got six million dollar year contract because he had a good season in, in L.A. Now he's I don't know. I mean that's the one thing that one thing that we wrote in the article is like they were looking at the Pujarvi kid from Edmonton as a possibility. I know that Dave Tippett loves Matt Love. He loved them in Seattle. If if, if Tippett had more patience to stay with Seattle, I would have bet that Love would have been there. Their expansion pick from L.A. He loves them. He want he got up to Edmonton, made inquiry again. And again, they said, "Well, look, we'll take we'll talk about Poliarvi. You got to take Lucas's contract." I just don't think you can can't do, do it. it. Can't do it. Just, I get it. You can't do it. Can't I mean, do it. So that that's the problem. And that's why. But you know, Kenny Holland's smart. Like I would do that too. Oh, you want the former fourth, third or fourth overall pick? Great. We'll give him to you. He's not going to be. It's not going to work here for us, but you got to take Lucha's contract. I get it. I understand it. So again, kudos to Kenny Hoffman trying to make that broker that deal. Um, but but that's that's the issue. That's the challenge. Is like there's a lot of like you got to put a lot of moving parts together. And and Earl, let's try to be positive here. Maybe by game sixty, all these players do meld together and you find combinations that work. Like, but you can't expect it in game one. Like the first, and so when you come into the season with the hope that the players that we talked about elevate their game. So their val trade value goes up, so you move them. But then you look at the lineup, and you're going to say, how is this team going to like win games here with the lack of depth? Not the lack of depth, the lack of, of uncertainty around these players playing together. Like but it goes back to St. Louis. And once again, I'm not even coming close to saying I think the Kings are going to win the Stanley Cup this year. But like, I don't see St. Louis as that mind-blowing of a team. They just yeah. played well together. And Robert Bortuzzo and Carl Gunnarsson on the blue line. Yeah, so they like journeymen, they had a lot of journeymen. And Shen wasn't exactly Shen wasn't great. It's his third team now. Schwartz was really, yeah, Schwartz was really good. I think they traded for Shen. 
Schwartz was really good, but they found like Sunquist. They found that Sammy Blake kid, who again is a physical player. Like, so people thought that like this is just about skating and skill and speed. It's not. It's not. Watch the play games again. Like, maybe it gets you there to the postseason, but again, you're going to flop. If you don't have a physical aspect to your game, you're not going to win playoff games. It's as simple as that. I think that's what GMs have to wrestle with at this point. Which is why I wanted the Kings, and maybe they did. I don't know. I, I didn't hear them and Furlan mentioned no, in the no. same. But, like, he's, to me, the the perfect winger. He scores 40 points, knuckles points. Yeah. He's very physical. I mean, at some point you're going to need, and maybe Grundstrom's that, this person, but, you know, Brown's got, his body's got to start to break down at some he's point. He's healthy, though. He had some issues, challenges with his shoulder and stuff like that, but he's he's not breaking down yet. He had a really good season, though. I mean, oh, he absolutely. Really, he, he could still... He's still going to hit people. He's going in the slot. His wrist shot's still really good. It's really kind of, um, people kind of underplay his wrist shot. He can score goals still. I mean, him and Kopitar have been playing great together. But yeah, but you, may, I mean, look, you mentioned, like, w w what did the Kings do? Like, you did they talk about Furlan? Let's remember who they did sign. Martin Frick, Joakim Ryan, and Mario Kempe. Now, what's Martin Frick's deal? Because I don't think a lot of King fans, myself included, know a tremendous amount about him. He's he's a skilled European forward who couldn't didn't really make it in Detroit. I, he's a, I think the, and he signed a two way deal. I assume he I, I don't he might make the team as an extra forward. I think he's probably going to start in um, in Ontario. I'd manage my expectations. I don't see him being a factor next season. And Ryan is uh... Ryan played you know Ryan played really well with Brent Burns in San Jose. Burnsy really I know Burnsy personally shows up at our gifting suite in Vegas all the time. They liked Ryan. I'm surprised he got away from them. So he he could be a, a good four or five player. But again, manager expectations. I mean, you know, like I said, your third best defenseman right now is Derek Fulbert, who I agree with you. Hey, I'll never forget the, the one last thing with Derek Fulbert. That one game, I think it was in Dallas, where his, half his ear was hanging off. Oh, yeah. I'll never criticize. I mean, the guy is just, he's a limited type of player. And I always go back to the fact that they traded up, traded for the draft Derek Fulbert, and the next pick was... Vladimir Tarasenko. So I just keep going back. That's my <laughs> reference point. So, but that wasn't even this regime. But, uh, but I'm not. Uh, it's just that on a really good contending team, Derek Forbert's a third pair defenseman. If he was your third pair defenseman playing 15 minutes a night, you get a really solid team. When he graduates up to 21, 22 minutes a night, he doesn't have any offensive skill, and he's. It's just that he's not that stopper you need on defense, and that's the problem. That's it. You need your number three defenseman should be really solid. If you think you're a playoff team, and he, he, look, he's sturdy. He'll play games. Um, he won't hurt you, but he doesn't help you in championships. And that's the beauty of the draft is, you know, every team has made dozens of mistakes. I oh, mean, yeah. Yeah, I, you can't. Yeah, I mean, please. I mean, I remember when I wanted us to trade up to get Anthony Stewart. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm like, I thought Anthony Stewart, Kingston Froniaks, was going to be the next great power forward in this league. Mm -hmm. He had it all, just didn't happen. Well, I'll go back to the fact that when they drafted Drew Doughty, they could have drafted Eric Carlson and they drafted Colton Tubert. And that's the was the second guy I was gonna. I'm telling you, I thought Colton Tubert was going to be our Scott Stevens, as, as crazy as that sounds now, but back then he had it all. And then you go back that far, Earl. Remember that Chernak kid? They gave up on him. Second round pick. He's playing second pair for Tampa Bay Lightning now. But I mean, my point, it, it, yeah, I mean, we could sit here. This could we be a what ifs. This could be a but podcast. Again, in context, they've won two cups, right? And they that that march, that 40 year march through the desert ended. 
right? So it's not terrible. I mean, there's, imagine being a Vancouver fan or a Toronto fan as a once in 67, right? In those markets, right? So, so it, it's, I get it. it. There's a salary cap area. There, there are hills and valleys. It's just this, this team really shouldn't be in the predicament they're in. If you're paying two players over $10 million a year, you should be able to surround them with enough talent. It's just that Rob's got to, and, and he started it with the, with the Muzzin trade. And I like that trade, and you got the first-round pick, and so you got another defense, you got two defensemen and a winger. But again, th that, that one, that need, I'm going to harp on it again, the one thing I'm going to harp on probably until three seasons from now is that one elite talent is what they lack here. And that's what they should be more aggressive in, and try to get it in any avenue. If it's an offer sheet, if it's a big-time trade, if you want to mortgage your future, right? Look, if I'm a GM and I'm three years in and I know two more years the team is going to be good, I'm not mortgaging my future because guess what? Year six, I'm not going to be the GM. So that, that's what I like to see with respect to aggressiveness. Well, I mean, you just take this draft. I mean, uh, the, the Kaliev. Absolutely. Like, he's either going to be uh, the next John LeClaire, 50 goals every year, or he's going to score seven goals a season. I don't see any middle ground right. with that. I agree with you. It, it's all or nothing. But the beauty of that is he was the 33rd pick. So you could take that risk at that point. Like four years ago, they never make that pick. This with Dean, never in a million years. Because he guy. wanted character guys, like the grinders. Yeah, good soldiers. Yeah, good soldiers. Like, and the guy, and not for nothing. And I don't want to criticize uh, Yannetti or anything like that because he he finds gold at the bottom of the round. Like he is seventh round picks making the, but the seventh round pick it's a reason why the seventh round pick. So they might be a good three C or four C, like Nick Shore or Nick Dowd, right? I mean, anybody that's playing at Alabama Huntsville is not going to be a thirty goal scorer. Right, so they've done a really good job underneath to get that depth. But these players, they when they get them, the development curve isn't that high. Like Nick Nick Shore was never going to develop into a thirty goal scorer or a second line center. Nick Dowd wasn't. Like you go back and look at their draft history, and granted they were drafting at the bottom of the, bottom of the uh, draft. But even Tanner Pearson now, I mean, you look back at their drafts, it hasn't been great. Now, now they were operating at a lower level than some other teams, but they. they you tell me, other than Drew Doughty, who's the star player in 10 years, they haven't developed a, a true star player. Well, that's the crux of winning. They have, I mean, you could argue Tyler Toffoli because he scored 30 goals and they got him in the second round, but you go back after Drew Doughty and tell me the star player that they've drafted and developed. They haven't done it. Dean, with all his genius, his genius was he leveraged the great drafting that and finding talent that Dave Taylor, you mentioned him at the top, did. But his genius was trading for Carter, when he was out of favor, trading for Gabrick when he was out of favor, and put it together and brought in veterans like Justin Williams and Robin Regeer and and all the the other trades we never bring up, Stoll and Green for Vishnovsky. There's no way they win a championship without those guys, those glue guys. They brought in so he, he made so many great trades, but because his if he didn't Earl, he never would have won championships because he wasn't the greatest drafter in the world. Jonathan Bernier, I mean you know Thomas Hickey. Uh, I mean, Hickey yeah. was a big swing and a miss. Although yeah. he's serviceable, he, hey, maybe but not he's a trade no back for him now. At this point, I don't know. He, he would help, but but that was that was the one thing I wish Rob Blake would learn from um, from Dean Lombardi or take out of his toolkit was the ability to make to to, to gamble and make those big trades because Dean did it and wasn't perfect, but was close, damn near perfect. And without the ability to make those trades and have the vision for players that would fit. They never win championships. That was Gene, Dean's genius. And what happens at the end of the rainbow when you stick with it too long and you don't think that some 
Some aspect of speed and skill needs to be put on this team. And you stick with a coach who the players really detest, who never took his foot off the pedal and just ground the team into the ground. When you stick with it too long, you wind up not being... Like, look, two championships in four in three years, Earl, you should be GM for life. It should it should be 15 years before you're, you're asked to leave. It was two seasons, and they were tired of them. I mean, that's the whole thing. Earl. That's the one thing that's kind of stunning, is that with all the great things that he did after two seasons... He's not the GM anymore. He it bought him virtually no currency. So that's it. So the one thing I wish Rob would go into his toolbox and, and or call Dean up and say, like, hey, how do I make these savvy trades? And yeah, you could say that the, the Muslim trade was a pretty savvy trade, but it's to be determined. But take more risk for, for proven talent, Earl. The thing is, he's trading a proven talent for, for, for prospects. Like, make one deal, if it's a trade or a free agent signing or an oversheet, for another proven player. And I think the fans would be more satiated. They'd have more promise uh, instead of warning about if this player or that player or this prospect's going to develop. Because we just know. And you ran down the roster. There's so many question marks. Adding one proven talent to the question marks they have on this team, I think would satiate the fans a lot more and probably make it, uh, although it's going to be difficult for them to have, it'd be a little bit more palatable for, for the fans. Well, I mean, I think, uh, you know, the Kings, if Stoll doesn't get hurt and uh, Voinov, I think, got hurt, they had a, a relatively good chance of winning that middle cup. Yeah. Uh, of course, that's just guessing. And but they were they were contenders. They were in that. Were I in. think. Uh, yeah. And then you know, speaking of Voinov, like I think that situation is is still to a degree uh, has left a, a black mark on the Kings in terms of you know you had to trade for Regeer, you had to yeah. you know. Uh, it's been a long time though. Oh no, I know, but like. This is this is not like this is not Drew Doughty Jr. and and anybody uses that as a crutch. Oh, Vonas really screwed us. They go out and find one and trade for one or sign one. But I'm just saying, I think that uh, you know, I, I don't think if we had him now, he's five years out of the league now, uh, or three, at least four. Yeah. Uh, but like it did uh, hamper. It you did, know. but it's not a a a quantity or that is is impossible to replace. Like we like if, if that happened to Drew Doughty, that would be a big hit, right? But it happened to Voinoff, and you should have been able to replace Voinoff by now. And Earl, guess what? We went down the lineup. They still haven't. Well, I know, but uh, they haven't you, still. But you know, maybe the Sakara trade doesn't get made if if you know true, true. so stuff like that. And then maybe we have those picks that we traded for yeah. Sakara. You know, it's so you know it's right. it's like dominoes. You know, yeah, oh, it's it's absolutely one. Affects the other. If you don't make the Lucic trade, you have those that that pick in there. And I think won. Miller, right? Uh, yeah. And then whatever we gave up for Sakara, I think it was a first round pick yeah. and uh, another player. I, I think Roll uh, McKean. So you know that, that he delivered, but but again, yeah, it's it's a lot of different things. But again, that that entity of you know we haven't replaced Vonath ever. Well, I mean, he's a second pair defenseman. You can find second pair defensemen in this league in probably three different ways. So that's just an excuse for not being able to execute. So, uh, Dennis, I could go on all day. We could. I mean, we we, we could, uh, and hopefully we will. I mean, there's so many players that, you know, uh, final grade on the Kings draft. I thought they had the best draft of of uh, of anyone uh, because I thought you, arguably they got the second yeah. best center in the draft. Mm -hmm. Chicago fans would argue that uh, with Doc. Uh, I thought well, they I got... I think they targeted Doc. I think if they... They were hoping Doc would fall, and, and um, but uh, uh, Gradem, 
with the fact that there's no caco or use as an A. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, I, we'll find out down the road. But oh, yeah, sure. Think, but I think that um, even a Fajimo guy that he just signed today. Yeah, he's signed, no joke. Yeah, that piece of yeah. But, but no, uh, absolutely an A at this point in time, and hopefully it develops. Three years from now, we're still saying this an A. Yeah, I mean, uh, they I think got the second best defenseman in the draft, arguably. Yeah. And then. Uh, yeah, it's just you're going to have to have patience because the one thing when you fall out of the two spot one and two spot, the one thing you don't get is immediate help. Oh, it was such a killer. And those two players would have been immediate help. Uh, I mean, to see Chicago go from 12 to 3, yeah, that was the proverbial kick in the balls. Because <laughs> you saw this King team every game last year. I, yep. I saw them as well. So you talk about a team that really needed a Kako or Hughes. Of course, every yeah. team needs that. Yeah. But, I mean, the Kings really. Yeah. They, they don't have a high end. That we talked about for the last hour. But, yeah, and that's the one thing is the one differentiator is that it may come to pass that the, that the Kings may have a better draft than the Rangers and the Devils, but we won't find out for a couple of years. The, the, the immediate help they, they really needed to sell this better, to, to make the optics better, just isn't there. We, we don't know. Yeah, I mean, you need stars in LA, and, yeah. and there's so few in the NHL that are marketable to the casual fan here. Exactly. I mean, you're not getting Crosby. I mean, right. you'd have to severely overpay to get Malkin, uh, and I don't know if he's that marketable in LA. Ovechkin's probably the only guy that would be like, yeah. that would be at the top of the news. Oh, my God. Can't, but you're not getting him. So No, no you're not getting him. But there's, there's no, and there's no frustration youngster either. That you can sell as well. I mean, Alex Turcotte's a really good kid, very well spoken. He's going to go to Wisconsin, play with Cole Caulfield. I'm sure he'll develop into a really good player. That doesn't help this team next season. It doesn't help the optics on the team. I mean, unfortunately, in LA, there's just too much to do. Yeah, and, exactly. And, and I wrote that. It's like this is not Nashville or Calgary, where a you're the only team in town, or there's limited entertainment and sports options. Like there's, we just ran. It's 15 different teams you can buy a ticket to. And especially considering what both L.A. teams in the basketball uh, league, did, the NBA, did. Like, wow, you! I don't even know if getting Ovechkin would make it the top of the news right yeah. now. Yeah. But, you know, if the Lakers lose, start losing, and or, you know, continue losing. Hey, if LeBron pulls his groin again, he's out 40 games. That is a big groin to pull, I'll tell you that much. Dennis, uh, yeah. where can people find you? Yes. Uh, first and foremost, thefourthperiod.com. Believe my uh, my last uh, final spot, like, and the column is called uh, "The Good Things Come to Those Who Wait." Um, is on the front page, um, and you can definitely get me on Twitter, Dennis TFP. Ask me all questions. I actually answer DMs as well. Some some people like to DM me, but I'm certainly always there. Even in the the barren days of July and August, I'm sure some fans have some questions. So I'm happy. I'm always engaging with respect to them. As long as you're respectful and ask legitimate questions, I'm happy to come back and have a discussion with you. So. Forspirit.com, Dennis TFP. I'm also on Instagram, although that's just, I don't know, let's take pictures. This is your dogs. Of my dogs, exactly. Sniper and bomber. So, yeah, but Forspirit.com, Dennis TFP. That's where you can find me, and I'm happy to engage. And uh, don't give up hope, Kings fans. may take a little longer than you expected, but hopefully at the end of the rainbow year, in a couple of seasons, they'll have a contending team. Well, unfortunately, you know, uh, you lose by winning in this league. I yeah. mean, you, you win two cups in it's three years. To stay on top than to get there, Earl. Yeah, I mean, look at... Uh, Detroit, you know, they won for 25 straight years. Yeah. They've been bad for a bit. Now they're starting to turn it around. Yeah. Uh, Tampa was in a dark space for a while. Yeah. They, uh, you know, and Tampa's uh, never got over the, gotten over either, Earl. Look at all the, it's the other end of the rainbow. All the expectations in Tampa. 
all those great players, no championship. And one last question. It just popped into my head because I became a uh, I'm a King fan through and through. I will support them. I supported them when they traded Larry Murphy for Ken Houston. Uh, rest in peace, Mr. Houston. Uh, what is Columbus? They lost their whole roster. Yeah, lost the whole roster. Uh, what, I mean, do they uh, make the playoffs? No, no. No, they're a lottery team. They, they might be top five team. I mean, they signed Gus Nyquist. I think they should bring back Ryan Dezinkle. I think he's a really useful player. But they, they, that's going to be a team. And they've got some parts there still. I mean, you know, Seth Jones is a really good player. But um, Dubois, he, he blossomed. And that look at, imagine if Columbus had picked Poole Yarvey over Dubois. And some people did. Boy, would they be in a tough spot. But yeah, they're in a really tough spot. But again, I credit Kekalainen for taking the risk and holding on to those players and adding. Because that's one franchise that needed to win a playoff round, Earl. It never won a playoff round. So they're paying right, right now. There's going to be consequences for make, going all in and not having Panarin come back. And Bob didn't want to play there either because it is Ohio and it's a tough place to live. Uh, but I credit him for going for it. That franchise needed to do that for the fans' sake. And so when we're talking, and I was on the radio, I mean, I co-host on SiriusXM all, all year. I was like, you, know, you can't do that to the fans. You, you owe the fans the debt to go in there and try to win a playoff round. And people loved it. They're going to take the lumps now in the next couple of seasons. But I credit them, but they are not a playoff team next season. They might be far away from the playoffs, in fact. I think that's why I became a side fan of theirs, because I respected their decision to go. Agreed. You talk about going all in. Yeah, we're gonna you lose. Trade you can do that to the fans. You just couldn't give up. They were right there on the cusp of it. They wound up winning a playoff round, and the memories of beating Tampa Bay is going to last with those friends with those fans forever. And if you if you traded those players away, you would have robbed them of that. So you can always sell that, and you can run replays next year of all the the, the victories over Tampa Bay. So kudos to him again, a, a GM who took a risk. Who, when people saying, "Ah, maybe you should sell," he bought. He bought in hard, but now there's consequences for it. But that's the way professional sports is these days. Kings kick any tires on Zingle? Mm, he's twenty. He's too old. He's twenty-seven years old. Oh, I would. He's a very versatile player. But Earl, that, that's again that that's a B or C player. Like that's not the elite guy they need to go of. So what's the point? I'd rather see the kids develop and play, take the time to have to play those the kids than go up and 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 play a Zingle. I get it. If they were, if I knew that they were a ninety-five point team coming in to add Ryan Zingle to that mix, absolutely. I don't know. This is an 80-point team because of because of, when you look at the roster, we just analyzed the roster, so there's no way I would do it. So um, I like him. He was very productive in Columbus. Um, a useful player who's flexible and could play all, basically all three forward spots, uh, but not for this team, not at this point. And no uh, no reason to bring in Marlowe, right? He's San Jose no, bound. No, no, no. But there had to have been like maybe, you think there was like maybe uh, no, McClellan calling Marlowe going, hey, uh, yeah, what's the point? want to mentor the kids? That's not that. That's not the former Shark I would have brought in. I would have brought in the captain of the other team. Maybe the captain of the Sharks playing for the Kings next year. That would have been something. Well, I think there's a reason I'm a stand-up comic and not a GM. <laughs> Full disclosure, I also loved Denny Godier when he was here for a oh, year. Oh, boy. <laughs> he, did, he did what he was told. He block shots true. and take penalties. Take penalties. <laughs> uh, Dennis, you're the best. So are you, Earl. Thanks for the time. I appreciate it. Uh, guys, uh, it's not... Many people could do an hour and a half conversation about hockey on July 11th. You just listened to one. Uh, Inappropriate Earl, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, leave a review. We'll maybe be leave lucky. Leave a review. Please, it ain't that effing hard. Maybe Dennis will be nice enough to come back in October, September. Oh, yeah, I'm always coming back. Whatever you ask. I'm, 
I'm a, I'm a, I'm a longtime player for the inappropriate Earl podcast. No well, problem. I'm a longtime fan of yours. I, like I said, that article, uh, you, your most recent article, the good things come to those who wait on fourthperiod.com really was amazing. Uh, and, uh, also shout out to the mayor, John Hoven. Oh yeah. Who between you two, uh, it's amazing. The knowledge that you give LA hockey fans Thank uh, you, that you give that. us our fix. Yep. Until uh, we can go to El Segundo in September and watch those kids play. So thank you guys. We'll be back next week with who knows who. Let's be honest. It's whoever can come to my house. <laughs>